0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. As he said, if you don't know me, my name is Caden Faulkner. I'm eighteen. I'll be turning nineteen in August, August twenty eighth, just in case y'all want to know like <laughs> when my birthday is. Give me give me a little something. But uh yeah. Uh I am very excited for this opportunity again. This will be my third time on this stage preaching to my home church, so it's an honor. I'm excited. I'm excited for what God is doing, and I'm excited for what he has still yet to do in this service. Three of you are also pumped for that, so I'll (laughs) preach to you three today. Um, I said I'm excited about what God's doing, and I'm excited for what he's yet to do. Amen. Okay. All right, now that I got your attention, if y'all would turn to me, turn to me, turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Um, I believe that the message that God has laid on my heart today will uh, be encouraging for us. It's mainly going to be a message of encouragement. I want you all to leave here filled and refreshed and ready to take on the enemy out in the world. So let's dive right in. We'll go to Mark chapter 6. We'll start with verse 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. So setting up the story, Jesus had just finished performing a miracle. He actually just fed the 5,000. And so soon after that, he tells the disciples, look, get in this boat and y'all go out into the ocean. Y'all go out into the sea. I'm out. I've got to go pray. Y'all go do this alone. It doesn't even give them a reason. But the disciples go out on this boat. They trust Jesus. And if you've heard this story before, if you know what happens, you guessed it, a storm hits. So let's keep reading. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. So, I want to look at this story because it's so practically applicable. It's applicable for all of our lives when we read anything in Scripture about a storm. So, I don't know about you guys, but in my life, I, there always is a storm. There always seems to be some kind of storm. Whether it's something that I don't want to be going on happening or it's something that I wish were different, it could be finances and I'm not married, but marriage for you guys, relationships, emotions, spiritual storms, anything, there's always a storm going on. So I feel like um, it's good for us as followers of Christ to perk up and to tune in and listen when there's a story in the Bible about a storm because there's always something that Jesus can teach us through the story of a storm. So that's, I'm going to be speaking to you guys about this storm. Typically when we start talking about sermons about storms, I've heard some, I've read commentaries. It's about what to say to your storm. Sounds good, doesn't it? That's good, isn't it? What to say to your storm. Even that, even that uh, sermon title you know, gives me a little kick. I feel like I'm going to go punch my storm in the face. You know, Tell my storm what to do. So if I were up here and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what to say to your storm. I'd preach it, I have uh, stuff to back it up, and we'd all all go home happy. Because we know a story of another storm where Jesus spoke to the storm, and the storm ceased. And we've seen it happen, and we've seen God work in that, so we know that it's possible. We'd all leave happy. The problem is, with that sermon, for me in my life, I don't know about you, y'all are all a little bit more spiritual than I am, but when I get in my boat... And I'm rowing. You know, I'm out there in the world, and I'm, I'm rowing. And a storm comes. I don't know about you, but more often than not, they don't listen to me. My storms, they don't, they don't care what I say. They don't listen to me. If yours have always listened to you, if the storms in your life have always to- stopped when you told them to stop, now's your time to get on your phone, play Angry Birds, or scroll through social media, because this will not apply to you at all. But for me, and if it's just for me, my storms don't listen They don't listen all the time. And I'm out there fighting, and I'm rowing, and I'm giving it my all. And I hear a preacher come up on the stage, and I say, here's what you need to say to your storm. I'm sorry. I love you, preacher. I respect you. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work every time. I can't just speak to my storm and it listen. And if I bet we were all, to be real honest, I bet that we'd all have storms. We'd all say we've seen storms that just don't listen, and they continue, and they go on and on, and on. And they just don't listen. So I wanted to share with you today not what to say to your storm because storms don't always listen. But I wanted to to preach to you guys about what to say to yourself when you're in a storm. Because you're always going to be in a storm. Storms don't listen, but you can always speak encouragement to yourself in a storm. Because we have to understand... That in order for God to do something through us, He has to first do something in us. And a lot of the reason why the work and the purpose and the plan that God wants in our life doesn't happen is because of how we speak to ourselves before Christ can work through us. The self-talk it's the self-language that needs to be changed. So, I started to think about the story that we have here. I started to think about the disciples and when they went out on the Sea of Galilee... A little geography lesson here. The Sea of Galilee is about 33 miles around. It is on average 88 feet deep. There are parts of it that are 140 feet deep. It's 700 feet below sea level and it's surrounded by mountains. Now, what does all that mean? I'm not a geographer, but sources tell me that that's the perfect condition for storms. Like, it's the perfect condition. It's in a valley. It's, I mean, humid probably. It's in the Middle East. There's a lot of storms that happen on the Sea of Galilee. We even read in Scripture that there are a lot of storms on the Sea of Galilee. So the disciples are out on that boat, and a storm hits. And the Bible just says that the disciples were rowing. Now, I like to put myself in the story a little bit. And if I, I'd be willing to bet that, contrary to the clean-cut version that Mark says, and they're just out there rowing, like a storm's going on, and they're just... I don't know, how, how do they row? Do they row like this? Or, you know, Like this? I don't know. I don't know if they're like in a canoe rowing. (laughs) Anyways, they're out there rowing and they're just like, oh, a storm. Cool. Rubbish. There's no way they were just rowing. So, we know the disciples. It was probably a little bit more chaotic than that. They're not the most clean-cut men on the face of the planet. It was more chaotic than just rowing. So, there were probably some conversations, some colorful language, some infighting, some yelling, some hustling, some panicking. And I bet... They weren't saying the right things to themselves in that storm to keep them prepared for the storm. Would you, be, would you be asking some questions? Would you be saying the right things to yourself? So stay with me. I'm setting up. We're going somewhere with this, I promise. But I want to make sure that we know what to say to ourselves in a storm rather than just what to speak to the storm. So go with me again. Imagine the scene on the boat with these disciples, right? I mean, they were probably going to add it with each other you idiot, you idiot, you didn't see the cloud coming and grow this way, do this, do this, do this, I mean, tell me, tell me right now that Peter was under control, there's no way Peter was under control, tell me that, uh, oh, what's his name, I just forgot his name, Thomas, tell me he was like not doubting that this was going to work out, like there's no way, these guys were in way over their heads. And I bet, like I said, they weren't saying the right things to themselves. There were some moments of weaknesses in this storm. So, since there were questions, since they didn't know what to do, I started thinking about, okay, what would the questions be? What were they asking themselves? What were they confused about? What were they wondering? If I got put in a boat, and I got sent out into the middle of the ocean, and it happened so quickly, and like, you know, Jesus had just did an incredible miracle. He just fed 5,000 people with, like, a kindergarten school lunch. So I'm probably going to, like, get in the boat and do what he says, right? So, like, it happened so quickly. Jesus said in the boat, well, let's get in the boat, you know, let's start rowing. So Jesus said, you to jump in the boat, you jump in the boat. Yep. But I would have had some questions once I got out there. The first question that I would have had, if I get out there and I'm rowing and I'm with my buddies and I look around and it happened so quickly I didn't even think about it and Jesus isn't out there, First question I would ask myself is, why are we out here? You know, like why are we out here? And I know that sounds so trivial and it sounds so stupid, but I'm going to explain to you what I'm doing. What I'm going to do is I'm actually going to unpack a strategy and some questions that the enemy comes to you with to cause you to question the journey that God has you on. Because often the enemy will come with a question. Hey, hey, Eve, did, did God really say you couldn't eat the fruit? Did God really say? Hey, Jesus, why don't you just turn these stones in, into bread? You're hungry, bro. Like, just turn them into bread. Ask your angels to come and catch you when you fall off this cliff or whatever. He comes with a question. The subtlety of the enemy's plan and attack for our life is to ask us a question that then lures us into a conversation. That's why it's so important for you to know the answers to these questions that the enemy is going to bring so he doesn't allow you to question the journey that you're on, that God has you on, even when a storm hits, even when it's the worst of the worst. You've got to know the answers. So the questions will come. That's why we have to know what to say to ourselves when he asks us, What are you even doing out here? What are you even doing out there? Why are we out here? Why did we have kids? You know, like these, these kids are more trouble than they're worth. Why did we have them? I know it sounds horrible when you say it, but be honest. That's a question. Why, why did we even get married? Why did we start this business? Why are, we, why are we doing this? Why did we move here? Why did we allow these people to come to our life? Why am I where I'm at? what are we doing out here, Jesus? Do you know the answers to those questions? Because if you don't know the answers to those questions, the simple why questions, the enemy will get you at question number one. He's got you. He's got you. And the moment you listen to the lie, you empower the liar. So you have to stop him at question number one. So when he says to you, what are you even doing out here? What do you say back? Well, it's a, very, it's a very, very simple answer, and we'll look at the first. The very first little bit of the story tells us what to say, um, where Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Do you know what the greatest answer for the disciples on that boat, the greatest, the greatest answer you can say when the enemy comes to you and says, what are you even doing out here? Why are you here? The greatest answer, I want you to write it down if you can, the, question, the answer to the question, what are you even doing here? is that I was sent here. Yeah. I was sent here. Yeah. They were sent by God on that sea that day. Those kids were not your idea. Yeah. That marriage was not your plan. You're not good enough to have that chick sitting beside you. Amen. Amen. That, you're not smart enough to uphold this business. Yeah. It wasn't your plan to move here. God has you right where He wants you. And if it's God's idea and He puts you there... Then he'll cover you when the storm hits and the questions come. That's when we have to answer because we will hear the questions and then get into conversations. We'll hear the why, why are you here? Oh, I'm not, I don't even know, I don't even know, I'm not even a good businessman. I'm, I'm terrible with money. Why am I even doing this? I should just quit. I'm not a good mother, I'm not a good husband, I'm not a good worker, I'm not a good boss. That's when you have to grab yourself and you got to remind yourself that you are nothing without God. It was God's plan. Yeah. He did it. He put you there. So he ordered your steps. And maybe your, your steps are ordered by him. Maybe his hand is on you. And if his hand is on you, he will come through for you. And you need to remind the devil that I was sent here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That I was sent where I am. I'm going to pull a little forward conference on you guys. I need you to say it with me. To so say it. I was sent. Say it with some attitude. like you're Like, hey, I was sent here. I was sent here. He put me in this relationship. He gave me these kids. He told me to move here. He gave me this business. I was sent here. So it may look like I'm on my own, but I'm not because the sender is covering me. And if he sent me, he's going to cover my journey. So devil, when you take on me, you take on the one that sent me. He will cover me and it is his plan. So don't forget, I was sent here. It will give you a rock to stand on when you, when you know that you were sent by God and that you have a purpose where you are. If, and if God didn't do it, then what's the point in fighting for it? It's, I was sent here. When the devil comes to you and you're in a storm and, they, and, and you ask yourself, what am I even doing here? Why am I in this mess? You were sent there. And you have a, you have a purpose for being there. You were sent there by God. So that's the first question. The next question I wrote down that they would have asked because you, once you established it, okay, Caden, okay, okay, yeah, okay, I'll say it out of my mouth. I, I, was, sent, I was sent, good. Devil, you're gone. First attack's, first attack's gone. Good. But you know he's going to come back with something else. He's not going to stop there. So if you've been sent by God on that boat, if you've been sent by God to where you are and he has ordered your steps, Why are you in a storm? Why am I in a storm? That's a good question, isn't it? It's just like the other one. That's a good question. I think it's a great question. If I've been sent by God, the one who loves me, the one who gave it all for me, if I've been sent by him where I am, then why the heck am I in a storm? Why in the world am I in a storm? Isn't God's hand supposed to be on my life? Are my steps ordered by him? Why am I going through a storm? Did we take a wrong turn? Is this wrong? Did I do something wrong? The enemy will come and ask you, why is it so bad? If, If God sent you and he loves you, then why is it so hard? If God put you two together, then why is it so difficult to make it work? If God gave you that business, then why is it so hard to uphold? That's where the enemy comes on the next question. So my question is again, What are you going to tell yourself when the enemy comes and says, why are you in a storm? Why is it so tough? One of the most powerful things that you can tell the enemy when you're in a storm is that this is not going to last. When you question why you're in a storm, you have to be encouraged and know that it will not last. Storms are seasonal. That's the nature of storms. Storms come, storms go. And that's why it's an important message for us to get in our hearts in our spirit about what I say to myself in a storm and not get so caught up in learning how to speak to the storm because maybe maybe that storm you're in has not been sent by the devil to break you. It's been sent by God to build you. And you have to be careful that when you speak to a storm, you're not speaking against something that God has put in place and that God has allowed. So maybe, I could be wrong. I could be wrong about your storm, but maybe what God wants you to learn in this storm is what to say to yourself When you're in the storm so it doesn't drag out longer than it should be and he can do his work in you. So one of the best things you can say about it and be encouraged by is, this will not last. It won't last. Now, that doesn't mean that it won't be as hard as heck when you're in it. Doesn't mean it isn't going to be easy or doesn't mean it will be easy. It's probably going to be hard. There's no storm that God will ever send you to. There's only storms that He will send you through. And if you're sent through them, that means that there will be a time when you come out of that storm. And what's so great is that you'll be stronger and more grounded in your faith when you come out than you were when you went into it. It will not last. Because weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. It gives me hope when I know that it's not going to last. Because all I have to do is endure just right now. Because it won't last. So it helps me answer the question, why why am I in a storm? Well, maybe the storm is a part of my journey. Maybe the storm is going to grow me. Maybe the storm is going to grow me in a way that fine weather won't. Certain storms in our lives have a way of squeezing out the crap that we don't need in us. If you look at the, uh, the language in verse 48... It says that they were straining at rowing. Again, I'm not a historian. You're going to have to trust my word, but sources tell me that that word straining, when it's translated back into the original text, is the same word that they use for the process of refining a fine metal. So what they do and what they did is they take a certain type of black stone and then they get the precious metal, let's say gold in this case, and what they do is they rub it against that black stone and the response that the gold has to the black stone determines its level of purity. Right? It's the straining against the storm that will bring out of us the crap that too many of us hold on to. Pretending that we don't have until we get in the storm. So maybe that's why you're in the storm. And often we resist the storm. We speak to the storm. Like I said, we don't hear speak to the storm and it's great. But like I said earlier, we should be speaking to ourselves. We don't want to speak against something that God is allowing for us to grow in. Instead of saying, why am I in a storm? Why is all this crap happening? You should be thankful. Be thankful that God has you in the storm. Say, God, thank you for this storm. I don't know why I'm in it. But I'm thankful that you have me where you have me because I didn't know all this garbage was in me. And I thank you, God, that you are molding me and shaping me to become more like you through this storm. And I have hope that it will not last. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. So that's what you need to say to yourself when you're in the storm. Be encouraged in the storm it won't last and it's God's purpose for you and maybe just maybe you're going to grow in it so the second question if God sent me why am I in a storm why is there a storm the answer is simple be encouraged that it will not last and while you're in it be thankful to Christ because he's going to use it to grow you that was the second question now I'm going to be honest with you guys I wrote down another question, and this question was the hardest one. I I struggled with this one a lot because when it came to my mind, it carried weight, and I wasn't sure. To be honest, I didn't even know the answer to this question, um, so I almost I almost just went with those two and called it quits and go to lunch. But it kept tugging at me. Um, I didn't know the answer, but I learned something in this process about questions. It's actually really simple and. Probably dumb, but uh, questions are so good when examining the word of God. Yeah. They're so good in, for our walk with Christ. Um, when I was thinking about it, it reminded me of uh, a book that my girlfriend Ava used to read when she was at uh, her grandma's house. We actually read it a few nights ago. Um, it has a ton of old ladies and cats and ducks and stuff in it, a ton of weird stuff. Uh, <laughs> But there was a message in it that um, really applied to what I thought about these questions. There was a, there was sections in it where the author just wrote sp- in uh, speaking through the old the old lady in the story um, that everything comes from something. You know, it had like examples of it, like sand, when put through the right conditions, when put through the right processes, can make glass, and plants, trees specifically. When they're put through the right conditions and they have the right stuff going on, they can produce oxygen. And there's so many examples of this. And just like those, when you ask questions and they're examined in the Word of God and they're examined through the light of Scripture, you get answers. So, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened. So when I heard all of that and that came to my mind, I knew I had to ask this question because we get an answer. Um, you're not going to find the answer unless you start beating on that door in the first place. Yes, so I started beating on that door in the first place. And um, I put myself in their shoes again. And I asked myself, I'm in that boat, and I'm fighting. I'm giving it everything I've got, and I'm out there in the water, and I'm with my buddies, and we're in a storm, and it's life or death. Like, the Sea of Galilee back then, it's not like a chopper's going to come pick you up. I mean, you're out there. If you can't get your boat to the land, you're dead. You're gone. The storm feels like life or death. You know what I would ask in that case? Because the Bible says that Jesus put them on the boat and then sent them off, and he went away. The next question that I would ask, if I'm in that boat and I'm fighting and I'm struggling and I'm doing everything I can, is, why didn't you go with them, Jesus? Why, why didn't you go with them? Why would you send them, knowingly send them out into a storm, and not stay with them while they're in it? And I know all the cliches that you guys are all thinking right now. You know, but see, see, he sent them out into the storm, but but he was watching. You know, or or or, or the whole, uh, you know, well, well, he, he, they believed in him, so he's in their heart, so so they can make it. He taught them how to do it earlier. No, 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 no. When I'm in a storm and Jesus isn't with me, that doesn't cut it. That don't cut it. I don't want him to watch me. I want him to be there. So this story represents the storm in your life where you don't feel his presence. You can't see him. You can't feel him while you're in it. This is that kind of storm. And maybe you've never experienced one like that, but I got enough response when I said that that I know that, We're, we've we all had those kind of storms. And it's not enough when the preacher comes up and says, hey, God's with you. You know, God's with you in that storm. Where? Where is He? Where's God at? I don't see Him. I don't feel Him. I can't sense Him. Where is He? That's the kind of storm these guys are in. Listen, if, if Jesus were in my boat... Let's go. I'll take on anything and everything because I've got the creator, the universe sitting beside me. I'm good. I'll go and I'll go and I'll go. The problem is, when Mark chapter 6, storm, he's not there. What do you do when you're in a storm and you're praying and you're fighting and you're giving it your all? But you don't feel him. And you're even worshiping and praying in Sunday... And Sunday church like this, but worship is even something you've kind of given up on because you, you just don't feel Him. There's nothing happening. What do you do then? I know these are tough to answer, and that's why I wrestled with this one. You're probably sitting there thinking, dang, I'm supposed to leave here encouraged. I'm just supposed to leave here full of faith. What is, what is going on? I didn't even know I was in this kind of storm. But if we don't ask them here, like I said, in faith, knowing that we will get an answer, the enemy's going to ask him out there. And you'll have nothing to say back. So we have to ask them here. So again, I thought and I asked, why, God, why do that? Why would, you, like, why would you send them out into a storm and leave them out there? And then I remembered another story. It's like he told me so clearly. I did. I did go with them in Mark chapter 4. So I was like, oh, okay. I look back and I read the story in Mark chapter 4. I'm not going to have you guys read it, so don't worry, Micaiah. Um, Jesus was in the sea, the same sea, similar storm, same guy, same sea. But he was in the boat with them. So the storm hits, and the disciples do what we tell Christians to do they run to Jesus. They go to Jesus on the boat. Remember, they run over to him, they wake him up, and they're like, hey, um, Jesus, do you not care that we're dying? We're up here busting our gut trying to fix the problem. Do you not care? What are you doing? And Jesus calms the storm, gets up, and I feel like i of a fit of sarcasm. He gets up and is like. <laughs> and then he points to the disciples. And then he points to the disciples. And he says, you have no faith. No faith. What? No faith? I mean, I don't know about you, but if I'm on a boat, I do a lot of this because I like to put myself in a situation. If I'm on a boat, and I'm up there busting my gut, and I'm hustling, I'm doing everything I can, and the creator of the heavens and the earth is just sound asleep on the, on the bottom of the boat, I'm going to be a little annoyed, right? Why doesn't he, why doesn't he see me? I mean, I, I mean, I'm... Jesus. Hello. We're dying up here. I don't know if anyone told you. We need your help. Help, oh, wonderful Lord and Savior. Like, help me, please, Jesus. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? No faith. They had no faith, and that's what they did. So then I asked another question. Because they went and got Jesus, and he looks at them and says, he doesn't say you've got little faith. Your faith is too small. He says, no faith. It just it just blows my mind because isn't that what we're supposed to do when we get in trouble? Isn't that what the church tells us to do? Run to Jesus. What did Jesus want him to do? What did he want him to do? They had no faith. So I just kept comparing the two storms, mainly because you see two completely different responses from Jesus. In Mark chapter four, he calls them out and says you have no faith. In Mark chapter six, he calms the storm and says be of good cheer, it's me. It's just me. It's only me. That's, that looks like two, like two completely different Jesuses. One's bad day Jesus, a little harsh. And then one's the nice Jesus. I like this Jesus, you know, the one that will call my storm and then say, hey, it's just me. But in the Mark chapter 6 story, it says that the disciples, they were rowing. They were rowing. They were giving it something. They were giving it something. In fact, if you look at it, it was the moment that Jesus saw them struggling. It says in verse um, 48, And then when he saw them straining at rowing for the wind was against him, he saw it. And then about the fourth watch of the night, he came. It was the moment he saw them rowing that he came. When you read Mark chapter 4, the angry Jesus storm, you know what it says the disciples were doing before that, before they came and got Jesus? Nothing. Nothing. So, I thought and I asked Jesus, what did you want them to do? They, like I said, they, they came to you. They didn't need to do anything. He just wanted them to do something. He needed them to do something. So I know I've done this like eight times, but I went back to Jesus and I was like, I don't get it. Oh, gosh. Let me fix that. Hello? we So I went back to Jesus. I'm sorry this is kind of how my brain works, but I, I put myself in the story and I just worked through it. I said, yeah, I know, I know Jesus. That It was a rough storm. Like, I would have gone to you. I mean, they were afraid and trusted you to fix it. Like, what did you want them to do? And it's like I heard and I I was reminded that Jesus didn't come to make dependents. He came to make disciples. And listen, I wrestled with that too. I was like, but aren't we supposed to depend on you? Like, I'm supposed to go to you, right? There's a little bit of dependence." But, stay with me because I know this verse is overused. Not according to Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13, y'all all all know it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, who strengthens me. I'm going to go forward conference again. I want you all to say it. Say, I can can. Do do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I read that verse and I got so encouraged, if not in context, and if it's just the first two words yeah. that encouraged me, I can, I can, yes, sir. it doesn't say that he can, it doesn't say that Jesus can do everything with our help through us, it says I can, we know he can. If it said he can, that would encourage me in a Mark chapter four storm when he's in the boat with me, but I'm not in a Mark chapter four storm, he's, I don't feel him, he's not there. Right now you're maybe you're maybe you're not in a mark chapter Four storm where you feel his presence. You're in a March chapter six storm and you just feel like he's not there you don't you don't feel him you can't sense him. It's in those storms when I read this verse and I'm encouraged that I can I can do all things through Christ I can make it through this storm I can endure through the power of Christ it doesn't doesn't matter if Christ is in me. It matters if Christ is in me. It doesn't matter if Christ is with me in the boat or he's up on a mountaintop. The proximity doesn't matter with the power of God. The power of God is in me, so I can do all things through Christ. I have the power of God to do what he has called me to do in my storm. Amen. Isaac, you can come on up. I'm about to close. Um, so two of the most powerful words that you can say to yourself... When the enemy comes and says, why is he not with you? Because I can. I can do all things. What were the disciples doing? They were just doing what they knew to do. They were just giving it a go. It may not look pretty, but Mark chapter 6 worship doesn't look pretty. It may not sound pretty, but Mark chapter 6 prayer doesn't sound pretty. It's a storm. He's just looking for people that will do something by faith. Say, Caden, I don't feel him. You can I don't sense his presence. You can. I I can't worship. It's not working. You can. I know the rest of the verse, and it says that we can only do it through Christ, but you have to understand that before you're called to do something through him, like I said earlier, you have to know who you are in him. It's about self-talk. It's about what you do in yourself so Christ can work through you. I can. You are an overcomer. You are more than conquerors. you can trust Him and see His work. Even when you don't feel Him, He's working. Even when you don't see Him, He's working. He never stops. He never stops working. He's a way maker in the darkness. He's working. And you can make it through your storm through the power of Christ. It's not always about what we say to our storms. It's about what we say to ourselves. It's not always about what we say to our storms. Sometimes the storms will listen. More often than not, You have to know what to say to yourself in the storm. So you can all stand to your feet as I close. And um, I want you all to close your eyes and reflect a little bit. Um, Some of you are in a storm. Some of you are in a Mark chapter 6 storm. And I want you to think about what you've been saying to yourself in that storm. What's the language you've been using to, your, to yourself? That's what it's about. The self-talk. Identify it. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord in his time of need. So do that. I, just, I declare over every person in this room that's in a storm and you're lost and confused and you need encouragement. Remember that you were sent by God. I want to tell you that you're not doing it on your own, in your own plan, and not through your own strength. But it's God's plan that is happening. And the enemy is trying to pull apart what God has put together. Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? Remind yourself that God did it, and the storm won't last. Just because I'm in a storm doesn't mean I have to question his purpose or plan for my life. You can, even when you feel like you cannot, you can endure, you can prosper. Not in your own strength. I don't want you to think that I'm saying that you can do it on your own. It's through the power of Christ and his spirit on your life, the strength that God has given you, you can. That's what you need to say to yourself in the storm. So, Father, right now, I pray for every person in this room. I pray that you would meet them where they're at right now and touch their hearts and convict them of the language that they've been speaking to themselves in their storms. I pray that you renew their mind. Renew their soul. Give them the strength to speak encouragement. Help them to know and remember that they were sent by you, that they are your child and that you got them covered. Help them to know that this storm is out of your plan and it's your purpose. It's their purpose in the storm through you. And lastly, encourage them all that they can make it. They can come out the other end of whatever storm they're in, whether it's marriage, whether it's finances, whether it's business, sickness, whatever it is, they can make it to the other side because of you. Amen. Because of your strength Amen. and your power. Amen. So that I pray that over this whole congregation that they would be encouraged today, And that they would seek you and that they would find you this week in their storms. We love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for loving us. I ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.